This interview was recorded for the Overdrive radio program. You can get more information at drivenmedia.com.au or past programs are podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Or there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City, one word. Testing cars is not just about their features and their performance. It's about how well you can travel in them and what you can do when you get to a destination. On a trip to the Highlands for a launch of some new Audis, we passed through Picton. We sat in a park just near St Mark's Anglican Church and Pioneer Cemetery. One of the tombstones hints at the tragedy of Janet Robson's life, born in Scotland and died in Australia in 1903, aged just 31. It would be nice to know some more details. Well, perhaps not of her, but beside 12 graves, there were little plaques with a QR reader symbol on each, one individually. You point your phone at it and you can hear a short recording of some historical details of the person or persons buried there. Now, the stories behind these 12 graves have been researched, compiled and written by Elizabeth Villey, known to everyone as Betty. Good day, Betty. Hello, David. How are you? I'm very well. Loved your work. Oh, that's good. That's very nice. It's always lovely to hear somebody complimenting on uh, what you do because a lot of effort goes into writing and to researching. It's often difficult what to take out. It's often difficult what to put in too. Have you lived in Picton a long time? Oh yes, I suppose it is a long time now. I came up here in uh, in '96. That's uh, yeah, yes, getting on for 24 years now. Yes, so I suppose that is a long time. Yes, before that I lived in Camden. Have you always had an interest in history? Yes, ever since I've been a child, my parents were interested in history, and so parts, some of my extended family, and uh, I, I did a tour we had for history a couple of years ago, and uh, we decided to do a cemetery tour because the topic put out by the uh, history people was life and death. So uh, we thought, well, uh, cemeteries are appropriate. So uh, we came and asked the minister, was it okay, you know, to do the cemetery tour? And he said, yes, no problems at all. And uh, that was Ben Boardman. He's the minister for the Church of England, St. Mark's. And uh, uh, from that, he asked me, would, he had this idea of doing the uh, little plaques. So uh, I did the research on those people, and he put it together on the technical side. I'm no good at technical things, but uh, I'm not too bad at research. I often get my son to do some of the technical things for me as well. We start with one example. I looked, there was an unusual headstone with a tree trunk and lopped branches. Mary Horton and her son, Claude Stafford. Do you remember those details? Yes, absolutely. It was, it was quite fascinating because it was very hard to read what was going on, but uh, a little bit of spit and polish and we got through uh, then we did some research on a, a number of our, uh, places, trove to a certain point. But what was interesting about, about that one, well, firstly, the cut-off tree truck indicates that the person has died before their time. You know, that's the end of life, so the tree can't grow any further. It's usually for young people. And, of course, the, uh, the young boy, uh, he was killed in a mine accident at Mount Kebla. And uh, it was a horrific accident. And uh, they used to have a museum down at Mount Kebla. He was one of the people. And uh, what was horrifying too about it was the number of boys. There was about 30 boys who were down there as apprentices and one thing and another. And uh, they had this fast explosion. It was absolutely horrific. Uh, anybody can read about it. It's, it's well documented. He was one of them. But he's not, he's, he's not buried there. His mother is buried there. He, he was brought up in, uh, in Picton, or he spent a number of years in Picton. 
His mother was a Pickford family originally, and uh, I think she had several marriages. I'm sort of talking off my head here, but uh, he's been buried at Mount Templer. He's buried at the Church of England Cemetery. It's quite a beautiful headstone he has. That's a lovely link as well. She married her first husband, but I believe he died when Claude was only five. Yes, that's right, yes, yes. And then his mother died when he was 12. Then when he was 18, he died in the mine in 1902 at Mount Kembla. Three cousins, along with 92 other men and boys. A lot of the family lived down at Mount Kembla, but when you go down to Mount Kembla and you have a look... It's really, really very tragic, the, the sites there that are left. And you'll see that multiple families lost a lot of people in their one family. Because you know what mining communities are like. You have, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the whole community relies upon the mine for everything. When I was researching it, because I did Mount Kembla Mines a number of years ago, it, it was quite horrific how the company wouldn't uh, accept uh, responsibility. The men, they had, uh, they had to buy their own equipment. And in those days, a lot of the men just had a candle on their head, whereas uh, the mine company would refuse to buy them and, and supply them with the, uh, I think it's called the Davy helmet, which has got a concealed candle inside glass. If they wanted one of those, they had to buy it for themselves, but their wages were so low they couldn't afford it. And uh, the company, in their own turn, uh, when the men died, they uh, finally coughed up $12 per person for the funeral, but they gave no compensation or anything to the widows. All the money that the widows received and the, and the children was raised by public subscription and generosity. You see a gravestone and you see someone who died young and you think that's a tragedy. Yet what you've brought out there is the whole social condition at the time. Absolutely. It was absolutely terrific. And, and this was the time when the unions were getting on their feet and they were doing a lot of... They, they had, impro- had a lot of improvements, but at the, still time, at the same time they were still against a very, very wealthy company, and, uh, you know, the uh, poor wages. Uh, yes, it is. It's a, it's, a social, it's a social history. And I think then that this way of at least bringing out some of those facts is a fantastic idea that it takes the typical graveyard and adds a new dimension to it. Do you plan to do more? I think Ben has got some ideas to, to do a few more, but uh, I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment, but... Uh, I'm quite sure that uh, he will, if he's got it in his mind, and it's been very successful. A lot of people have commented upon it, and uh, I'm quite sure he will get around to it eventually, yes. And uh, what ones we do, well, I have no idea at this stage. I sort of selected a random lot because I, I wanted a, a cross-section of the community. I mean, I could have just picked the people who went to church and, uh, you know, were benefactors of the church, but I wanted a, I wanted a, 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 I wanted a complex picture of what the district was like. So, you know, we've got uh, very successful people in there. We've got poor people, and uh, we've got those uh, children all dying of uh, diphtheria and such, and uh, and even the Spanish flu. There's a woman there who died of the Spanish flu. But, uh, yes, so I, I, and here's one of the grave sites. Not only was the headstone interesting, but also, of course, it was, uh, you, know, you know, the story behind it. But, I, you know, I didn't want to write, you know, I didn't want to sort of write two or three pages because people close off, you know, it has to be, it has to be compressed, and uh, each uh, little picture was just a, a couple of minutes or so of of men speaking. You know, it was no point to go going. I'm a, I've got, I'm a shocker for detail. I go into detail and detail. I go on and on about it. You know, drive people mad, including myself. But 
it was it wasn't satisfactory for that, so I had to compress the information. Where did you get your information from? Was it easy to find their stories? Well, some of it was. Uh, a lot of it, about 20 years ago, the Pictet Historical Society, I put out a little book there on the Mark's Churchyard, and we did a lot of them there. But the historical societies here have got a lot of information. They've got a lot of personal information about different people because a lot of these people in that gravestone were, were people that were well-known, and there was also the newspaper, a lot of information about them. And, uh, you know, Trove, uh, yes, that's right, I did tro use Trove a little bit, but not too much. But, yes, there was a lot of information about them in various sources. Trove helps document past newspapers and things, and I think it's getting them digitised so you can search through those. It still takes a lot of dedication. And also it's got a lot of limitations. The best way of research is uh, when I wrote a book a number of years ago on the old Razorback Road, there was no Trove. And I went into the into the Mitchell into the State Library and I sat there for hours and hours scanning the newspapers, reading the whole page. And that's the way to do it because you pick up all sorts of wonderful information. With Trove, you've got a key in the right word and you only get that article that you've keyed in for. See, looking at the whole paper gives you a broader perception of the life and times. Oh, absolutely. It's got, you know, it's got adverts, it's got all sorts of things on it. You know, that and, and the things that you weren't really looking for, but they all add up to that picture. They all add up to something that's, uh, that makes a story. I like reading a biography that is the life and times of somebody, not just detail of what they've done. Yes, yes. I, yes, I, 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 I add into most of my writing, I add up, I add in, into uh, the times. I add up, you know, how that people, the social history of the area. Yeah, yes, that's, uh, that's how I work. See, quite often we get one data statistic we misunderstand, and that's the average age of people, and we think that that meant everyone died younger, yet, as you reflected here, it's quite often infant mortality that really has dragged down the average age. That's right, yes, they've, they've included it, uh, yes, uh, I had a lot of problems with that for a long time, and, and uh, yes, and especially in the early times, you know, so many babies, so many children died one stage there in the middle 19th century, one in five children never got past their first birthday. That's why we have such a celebration of, birth, of the first birthday. Uh. You know, it was, an achievement for, it was an achievement for the parents to have got to that level. The child survived. He's one year old. Because once he survived that one year, you know, there was a pretty good chance that he would go on. Less chance that he's died. It's purely one anecdote, but I think Ned Kelly's mother lived to be over 80. And just think how how her hard her life was. How hard the life is, is you are adding a dimension. We think of how lucky we are now, yet we've got to look at what was the situation. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That the role of unions and that is not sacrosanct, but it's extremely important if it's done properly because you can't let one side totally dominate the other. No, it has to be balanced, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, but uh, you know the unions have played a very important role. Plus the, the plus the, uh, the the government legislation in a whole range of activities, uh, which has improved our, our standard of life, and you know the welfare acts and uh, you know the old age pension and all those things. They've all combined, you know, with the unions and, and other organisations to make our life a lot better today than it was for a lot of people once upon a time.
Betty, I love your work. I really appreciate your work. And I'd be interested, uh, maybe at some later stage, we might talk about the Razorback Road because I went home via the Razorback and I remember as a, a young lad driving my Morris Minor over the Razorback. You went on the highway. You didn't go on the original road. <laughs> Don't tell me it was worse. <laughs> it's still there. You can drive on it. Oh. When, when I speak with you, I'll have, to, I'll have to tell you how to get there. All right, that's a deal. It's not difficult at all, yeah. For the moment, thank you very much for your time. That's okay. It's a pleasure, David, and good luck with it all. And that's Elizabeth Villey, who is the researcher behind the lovely little vignettes about 12 grave sites on the St Mark's Anglican Church and Pioneer Cemetery in Picton, which you can readily get by simply pointing your phone at them and letting your QR reader go straight to that sound file. An edited version of this interview was used in our Overdrive program, first broadcast on the 15th of August 2020.